Let me start with a statement. There is great joy in God's presence. Amen. There is great joy in God's presence. Um, the psalmists, you can hardly turn the page without then the psalms in particular saying, talking about the delight of the Lord and the joy of the Lord and the, the joy of being in his presence. Amen. Uh, you can hardly turn the page. I had uh, uh, Albert and, and Mary read for us today from Psalm chapter 16 that says this, You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Yeah. Um, C.S. Lewis um, was a great writer, speaker. Uh, C.S. Lewis, in 1941, he wrote, and, and later in 1942, he gave a sermon entitled The Weight of Glory. And he was writing about a concern that he had with Christians in his day. And, and listen to this back from 70 years ago now. His concern was that Christians had come to believe that Christianity was more about self-sacrifice than about love. Okay, I want you to think about that for a moment. He had come to believe, he had, he had thought that, that Christianity had become more about that if you asked Christians from a, a generation ago, he says, if you ask Christians a generation ago what, what the greatest virtue, uh, Christian virtue is, he said a generation ago they would have said love, but now in this current generation, back in 1941, he said this current generation said it would be sacrifice. And that was disconcerting to him. Um, his fear was that Christianity had become a begrudging work rather than a joyful relationship with God. Yeah. Uh, you know, we use terms whenever we talk about Christianity. Sometimes we, we talk about our, our duty and our obedience, and we talk about uh, Christianity in those terms. But do you ever talk about your relationship with the Lord or, or Christianity, what you follow, as being joyous, a joyful, delightful work, a, a blessing in your life? Um, it's something that we don't think about very often, I'm afraid, and, and maybe what uh, C.S. Lewis was seeing in his generation kind of continues today, um, which is really good reason to be in books like uh, written by John Piper and the like. Uh, but there is joy in the presence of the Lord. There is delight uh, in his presence. And um, we're not uh, in the wrong when we seek that delight and when we seek that joy. In fact, uh, one of the arguments that C.S. Lewis and, and, uh, and John Piper would make is, is that we're supposed to be seeking joy in the Lord. It's, we're supposed to seek joy and happiness and delight in his presence. It's something that we were created to do, uh, that we were made to do, is to enjoy him. Yeah? Amen? Amen. So when Christianity becomes boring and when, when your relationship with the Lord becomes very dry and when you're just going through the motions or you're fulfilling your duty or obedience, the question is, what happened to the joy? You know, what happened to the joy of, of following him? Uh, where is it gone? Where is it, where is it, where is it lost? Um, if you would turn with me to Psalm chapter 98. I tell you, the Psalms were, you know, we read them today and we read them just kind of like any other part of the Scripture, but the Psalms were written, many of them, as songs for a congregation to sing together. And Psalm 98 is one in particular that was written uh, for the Israelites to sing together. Uh, a congregation there at the temple would sing together and, uh, and, and praise God together through the Psalm, uh, through singing. And uh, this one in particular speaks, of course, about God's, God's works and about the joy of, uh, of, of worshiping him. 
And um, it, it's an interesting thing. We're going to break this down into three different parts. The first one will be verses 1 through 3, then 4 through 6, and then 7 through 9. It's broken out into three parts. Uh, but let's just read through this together, and then we'll, uh, and then we'll go in and, and break it down a little bit. Psalm chapter 98. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with a harp, with a harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap with their hands. Let the mountains sing, sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. All right, let's back up there. I want to tell you, there's, just a, there's a couple things going on through the progression of this, uh, of this psalm. The first one is the first three voices, or the first three verses, verses 1 through, through 3, are singing about the Lord's deliverance, about what God had done for the Israelites, and it goes to kind of recount that and, and talk about that. And the, this first, the first three vo, 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 verses, I'm sorry, I can't say verse this morning, keeps going to come out voice. All right, the first three verses is sung by the worshiping congregation at the temple. It's going to grow here in a little bit. The first three voice, verses are sung, by, are, are sung by the congregation at the temple. But then it's going to grow, and we'll see that in just a minute. But just stay with me here. The first three verses are celebration of the Lord's deliverance. And just before we read it, what had the Lord done for the Israelites at this point? Don't be shy. I'm sorry, he, he delivered the man of Egypt, right, by his mighty hand, he, by his power that he expressed through, through the plagues uh, on Egypt and parting of the sea and, and wiping out Pharaoh's army and, and providing for them, uh, right, a, a place to live in cities that they didn't build in, in the promised land, right? Amazing, amazing stuff. Yeah, what else? He established a kingdom for them, that's right. He had raised up uh, leaders for them to lead them in, in uh, well, in warfare and establishing uh, the promised land and, and had led them in with spiritual leaders through the, the judges and the kings. Yeah, what else? He gave them the commandments. He gave them the, all of the, the law of Leviticus, right? What else? That's right. He fed them and clothed them while they're in the, in the wilderness, right? Kept their clothes from wearing out, right? All this that the Lord had done and, and his works and, and the things that were been, had been absolutely, totally miraculous that the Lord had done. And what the, the writer here was doing was to call the congregation to remember the Lord's works, to remember his miraculous works. Uh, with me here in the beginning, it says, Sing to the Lord a new song, a song that celebrates the Lord's victory and the, and the mighty things, the marvelous things he's done. Those, that term, the marvelous things he's done, is a, a Hebrew word that means the, his wonders or his miracles. Remember the miracles or the wonders that the Lord has performed, uh, his deliverance, his protection, his, and his providence for the Israelites. He says, uh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous or wondrous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked 
salvation for him. I want to stop there for just a second. I want you to pay attention to what it says here. Um, it says that his right hand, his holy arm, um, have worked salvation. What's that next phrase say? For, for him. I, I want you to remember that because we're going we're, we're to focus on that in just a little bit. But his mighty work and his holy arm have worked for salvation for him. Okay. But up in the beginning of it, it's first we said we're going to sing uh, a new song for the marvelous things he has done. And you and all you just told me all the marvelous things he had done for. Israel, and then at the end it says that it's for him. How can it be? Can it be both? Can it be for both? I want you to ponder that. We're going to come back to it just a little bit. The Lord, in verse 2, has made his salvation known and has revealed his righteousness to the nations. He's made known two things. What were they? First, his salvation and his righteousness. He's made them known to the nations. It's the kindness of God that he reveals his salvation, his righteousness, not only in the dealings of the, of the Old Testament with the, with the Israelites, but also he has made his salvation and his righteousness known ultimately through Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate revelation, right, of those things. And everything that was, uh, that was, that was revealed as, rev- as salvation and righteousness in the Old Testament was all pointing to something coming, something that was greater, something that was the ultimate salvation and the ultimate righteousness that was coming. And he was pointing all of that in the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Y'all remember uh, a couple of weeks ago we read about Simeon about how Simeon came and he was a devout man of God and, and the Holy Spirit came upon him and, and had told him that he wouldn't die before he saw the Lord's salvation. And Simeon was in the temple when Jesus was going to be consecrated there according to the law. And as he was in the temple there, uh, he prays to God when he sees the baby, Jesus, he prays to God and he says in Luke chapter 2, verse 30, he says, For my eyes have seen your what salvation which you have prepared in the sight of of all people, right? God's salvation, his righteousness, he's not hidden from us. He's not made it difficult for us. He's not made it to where you and I have to go and do certain things. We don't have to go away and do missionary work for some years in our life. We don't have to go and seek out some mystery like the, like the Hindus do. We don't have to go and, and serve God or, or be like the Jehovah's Witnesses or the Mormons and go and do part of our life as, a, as missionary work to achieve our salvation. His salvation has been made known to all people, and it is simply that it is simply salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, right? And that is the grace of God that he's let us know. He's not made it difficult, has he? He's not made it hard. He's not hidden it from us. He's not saying this is only for a select through, but it's for anyone who would believe and follow and and have faith in Jesus Christ and his son. Amen? It's a great and glorious thing about God. And listen, you and I know about God today. We know about his salvation. If you're a believer, you know about that by his grace and by his mercy, right? He could have hidden it from us. He could have made it hard. He could have said, no, only, only these select that I choose, but uh, he made his salvation known to all of the world, uh, to all of the world, and it will be effective for anyone who has faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3 says this, He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. Isn't that great? You remember all the turmoil and trouble that Israel's caused him, even in the time of, of, of the Psalms. Right, even in the time of the of the judges and and the kings, and even in the time where they wandered in the desert and and they grumbled against God, and they came out and He had done wondrous and marvelous things for them, and they came out and said we were better off in Egypt, all those wonderful things, and yet the Lord, this is just who He is. He remembers His love and His faithfulness to the Israelites. Isn't that great about our God? His His faithfulness and His love doesn't depend on us; it depends on Him. And thank God because 
uh, he is faithful to the end. Um, and listen to what it says in the, in the last part of that verse in verse 3. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our Lord. Okay, this was written, of course, you remember, before Jesus Christ. But he says, the psalmist says, All of the earth has seen how the Lord has worked his salvation, his deliverance for Israel. All the earth has seen it. And, of course, ultimately all the earth would see his salvation work through Jesus Christ. Yeah. But he says even then, even in the Old Testament, that all the earth had seen the salvation that the Lord had brought. Uh, and uh, there's a reason there's a reason for that. Here's what I want to tell you this morning is, is, as, we, as we wrap up this, these first three verses. is that we, In the beginning, I asked you what marvelous things the Lord had done, and you told me what the Lord had done on behalf of Israel, what a blessing the Lord had been to the nation of Israel. And at the end of verse 1, it says, His right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation for Him. Let me tell you, here, here's the, the incredible thing about God. God's power and it, it was demonstrated for his love or because of his love and his, and his faithfulness for, to Israel. But God's wonders and his power bring glory to him and blessings to Israel. Are you with me? His power, the exertion of his power and his smiting the Egyptians and providing for the Israelite, the demonstration of his power brings glory to him and a blessing to the Israel, to the, to the nation of Israel, all at the same time. God, does, God shows his power and does things in this world uh, for a purpose. He's not like a magician. You know, he does, doesn't just do tricks just to do tricks. He does things so that he can demonstrate his power so that he might receive glory and we might receive blessing. Amen? Over and over and over and over again in the Scriptures. God is glorified and we are blessed by his power and his might and his faithfulness and the demonstration of his power and his love. Amen? Amen? That's important for you and I to remember. When God works, it is for glory for him and blessing for us. Yeah? It is for glory for him and blessing for us. All right, in verse, verses 4 through 6, let's just read this all. I'm going to read these four verses together again. And listen to what it says. Now, the first part, it was the congregation that was singing, and they were remembering the marvelous things that the Lord has done, remembering his love and his faithfulness to the Israelites. And then he says in verse 4, this is the response, right? This is the, the worship the response for all the things that the Lord has done. And this gets a little bit larger. At first, it was the congregation at the temple, right, in Israel. And now he says, shout for joy to the Lord. Who now? All the earth. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with a harp, with a harp and the sounds of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. You see what happens here? The psalmist writes and he says, Remember what the Lord has done. Remember his marvelous works. Remember those things that were for glory for him and were for blessing for us. And then the response is, and that, is that the congregation and all the earth looks to see what the Lord has done and they respond with what? The joyous worship of the great king. Yeah. The joyous worship of the great king. You know, it so, happens so easily and so often in our lives that we get distracted by every little thing going on, you know? We get distracted by it, and there's a, I'm not trying to say anything uh, minor about the things that go on in our lives because there are some really terrible things that happen in our lives, are there not? But it's easy to let those things distract us and forget the good that the Lord has done for us, isn't it? 
It's easy to allow those things that are negative in our lives, even though they may be small in number, to overshadow all the great things that the Lord has done for us. Yeah. It's like we say, you know, Lord, I'm having such bad you know, marriage problems or financial problems or, or uh, uh, whatever, problems in relationships, whatever, uh, and then I'm blinded to remember about your, you saved my soul and you know, saved me from hell. But, you know, Lord, I'm, my life's just really terrible right now. I, I'm not trying to say anything negative. I'm not trying to say that, that those things are problematic and those things can't draw your attention and sh- maybe should draw your attention and ask for the Lord's help. Yeah, do all of that, but don't forget the Lord's goodness to you, because those things will steal your joy if you do. You will not know the joy and the delight of being in the Lord's presence if you're all consumed with the things that are going on in your life, the few things that are going on in your life that are negative. It's true, isn't it? I've lived there. You've lived there. I've been there. You've been there, haven't we all? I'm so consumed with these things that are going on that's negative in my life that I can't remember God's righteousness and goodness and his work on my behalf. We've been there. It's easy to be caught up in that. It's easy to be caught up in that. Yeah, but the Lord wouldn't have us stay there. In fact, sometimes the Lord uses those things to draw us back to him, doesn't he? Say, no, come on back. Come, come on. You need my help with this. You need to follow me here. You need to walk in obedience here. And he asks us to come back um, in the middle of all those things. And it's, listen, this is the, this is the right... Um, uh, what do you call it, uh, progression of things. We remember the Lord's goodness and His merciful and, and, His, and His wonderful acts for us, and we respond in worship. But if you never go back and recount the Lord's blessings to you, there's, there's going to be no joy there in your relationship with Him. There's going to be no worship there. Any worship is going to be half-hearted. Any worship is going to be, uh, is going to be uh, work of, of, of just routine, right? But if we go back and remember the Lord's goodness, then there is a natural outflowing of worship in, in great joy. Yeah? All right, the last thing says this. Okay, the first part, we saw the, the congregation there uh, counting at the temple, remembering what the Lord had done. The second verse, is, it says, uh, Sing or shout for, for joy all the earth. And listen what happens now. Now we're going to be joined in by not all the peoples on the earth, but also now all of creation is going to join in with worship to the Lord. You ready? This is good stuff. This is, and, and then let me say one more thing. This is what's going to happen here in these last three verses is joyful anticipation for what the Lord's going to do, right? The first part was, Lord, we remember the marvelous works that you've done in the past. And the second part was, and we and all the earth, we rejoice and, and, and shout for joy and we sing new songs in, in worship to you. And now this last part now is now all of creation is looking forward in anticipation, Lord, to what you're going to do. All right, you with me? Here we go. Verse 7. Now let the sea resound. Okay, now remember where we've come from here. The congregation is singing, remembered what the Lord has done. Then all the earth has come and worshipped and given worship and offering to the Lord because of his greatness and his holiness toward Israel and his faithfulness towards them. And in the last part, the sea reverberates, how do you say that word, resounds uh, with, with, with in response to what's happening in the world as people begin to praise the Lord. Now creation can't help it. It too is going to enter in worship and praise of the great king and all that he's about to do. All right. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the fish, right, the plankton, everything is going to resound uh, in worship of the Lord. Uh, and everything in the world and all who live in it, Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, 
for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. All right, in joyful anticipation of the Lord's coming and the Lord's ultimately judging and setting and putting his, uh, his authority over all things ultimately. Uh, here he's saying, let all creation now, all created things who have no voice, let them respond with worship to God. That's a really great psalm. I really like it. I hope you do too. One of the things that, that uh, Paul cr- talks about is that he talks about the effect that, that, that Christians are going to have on creation, about what effect God is going to have through Christians on creation. In Romans chapter 8, he wrote this, The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. All right? He's saying the creation is waiting. It's waiting for something. It's waiting for what? For the sons of God to be revealed, right? This is, this is talking about end, end times, about anticipation, about, about the times that, that, uh, that we will be revealed, about how we will be made known before God, right? Ultimately, not today, but in the future about what God does, in, in his, about what God is going to do uh, in us and through us. And he says, creation is waiting in eager anticipation for it, right? He says in verse 20, For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. It says creation is waiting to be freed from its bondage of what? Decay, so that it might be liberated too. Yeah, so it may be liberated. Uh, Yeah, ultimately... God will put all things under the feet of Jesus Christ and all things will be liberated of sin and decay. It will start with us and it will finish with creation. Amen. And that will be a very good day. Amen. All right. Let me, let me, uh, let me stop here with this now that we're, we're through with that. You and I have to spend time before the Lord remembering the things that he's done for us. When you stop doing that, you're going to stop having joy and delight in your relationship with him. You with me? You're supposed to have joy and delight in your relationship with the Lord. Now, I know we all come, probably come from churches that were a little bit stiff-collared, and no one got very excited because we don't do that here in our Anglo culture, right? But uh, really, honestly, you're supposed to have joy in your relationship and delight in knowing him. It's supposed to be a source of joy for you. And you're supposed to seek that. And uh, John Piper might say something like this, is that uh, you're supposed to find ever-increasing joy and in your relationship with the Lord. And as you find ever-increasing joy in your relationship with the Lord, it is most honoring and glorifying to God. Yeah. God is most glorified in us as we find greater joy in him. That's kind of a butchery of what he said, but that's pretty close. Um, me, uh, I, I used this illustration from Matt Chandler here not long ago, but um, you know there's joy in God's presence and there's joy in knowing him. Do you know it? Have you lost it? Have you forgotten it? Um, it you know, it all starts by just very simply sitting down before him very quietly, just you and him. You can't borrow it from someone else, this joy. You, know, you can't get it from somebody else. Uh, you, you just have to sit down before the Lord and remember the miraculous things that he's done, the wonders that he's done. And I'm not just talking about, you know, you know, the wonderful things that he's done on behalf of Israel. He's done wonderful things for you very specifically, hasn't he? 
He's done some things in your life that he's not done for other people, hasn't he? Uh, he's just that good. He's just that amazing. He's just that glorious and faithful and loving to remember us each individually. It's an amazing thing. He's an amazing God. Okay, on to the Matt Chandler illustration. I can tell you all about Brenda and about what a great wife she is. I can tell you about all the cute things that she does. I can tell you about how great she cooks. And I can tell you about, I'm talking about Brenda Crump, by the way, not Brenda Buck. Um, I can tell you, although Brenda Buck is great also. Um, I can tell you all the great things about Brenda. But you know what? Until, unless you lived with her and unless she was your wife, you would never love her as much as I did. You can't love her as much secondhand as I love her firsthand, you know? It's the same with God. Listen, there are, you, can, you can try to live out your faith vicariously through a pastor or through some, someone that you, you, you listen to on iTunes. You can try that, but you'll never love God as much as the person who's digging in the Scriptures and who's spending time before God praising and ad- admiring and, and worshiping Him. You're never going to love Him as much. There's never going to be as much joy in your life or in your relationship with the Lord. You're never going to find the delight of the Lord when you're living vicariously your Christianity through someone else. You hear me? You're never going to get there. You're never going to love Him as much. It's always going to be secondhand. Yeah? So what do we do? You and I get down on our knees or in a chair or something before the Lord, completely alone, all by ourselves, and you dig through the Scriptures. You spend time worshiping God for all of His blessings, and you begin to develop joy and delight in your relationship with the Lord. You can't get that from someone else. You can gain knowledge through someone's teaching. You can gain knowledge of the Scriptures. You can gain a better understanding of theology, but what you can't, is to get the very heart of the issue of Christianity is love and joy that you find in God. And there's no other way to do it. There's no other way. You have to find it yourself. You have to find that being in His presence is joyful and delightful. And until we do that, you'll never know. You'll never see. Yeah? I'll close like this. Remember His works his wonders that bring him glory and brought you blessings. Remember that he has made his salvation known to you by his son Jesus Christ. And remember that he's coming again to complete his work. And it'll be a glorious day. Let me close with Psalm 16 again. You have made known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Uh, Lord, it just happens too many times that we get busy or we get so caught up in the negative things that are going on in our lives, the the troubles that we have, whether they're they're financial or marital or relationships or or whatever, or or just caught up in our, our own problems with sin and fear and doubt and insecurities. And Lord, so many times those things just seem like giants to us and they overwhelm us and we forget, Lord, your goodness and your mercy and your blessings to us. So, Father, Lord, we pray for your forgiveness there. We pray that you would help us to remember your marvelous works. Help us to remember the miraculous things that you've done uh, all throughout the Scriptures for the Israelites and then through your Son, Jesus Christ, and what you've done specifically for us by by the work of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you this morning that you've saved my marriage, that you've 
uh, fixed and, and made Brenda and I more obedient in, in, uh, in our, our finances. I thank you, Lord, that you've given me greater, greater um, uh, strength as a father and as a husband father. You've been good to me, Lord God. You've been gracious to me. You've remembered your love and your faithfulness, Lord, to me, not just to the Israelites, but to me also. And Father, I praise you this morning. You are the Almighty God. You are the one that I worship. You are the one that I desire to seek, Lord God. Help us all to seek you. Help us all to pursue you. And Lord, when we do, to find great joy in our relationship with you. We ask these things in Jesus' great name. Amen. Amen. If I don't see you before, y'all have a Merry Christmas. Enjoy uh, this Christmas season. Enjoy your uh, celebrating Jesus' birth.